0: Just pick that camera and start doing it. Camera, phone, whatever you're comfortable with, but make a video every single day of a tiny thing and edit it and then share it somewhere. Maybe in your story, if not in your reel, because you don't want to have it saved for a longer period of time. So just share it in your story. But if wow. you do that for one month, I can guarantee you the second month will feel much easier than the first month.
1: My motto is, put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Hi guys. So today we are talking to Kankana. Kankana is a food blogger, but she's also so many other things. She's a mom. She's a food photographer. She is a recipe developer. She also is a TikToker, a YouTuber, and she is quite the master at food videos. In fact, that is why I absolutely wanted her to be on our show because I think the world is really moving toward videos. I mean, I'm not somebody who does food videos, but I think there is so much demand that is in the market and it's just Such a dynamic skill to have, right? And I've seen Kankana's videos and they are soulful. They are heartwarming. They make the food look delicious. They inspire the viewer to make that recipe, which is pretty much what a food video is all about. And she's so good at it, so good at it, really. So I think she will leave us with tremendous amount of information. She will walk us through how to conceptualize, how to record, what gear do you need? How to build it, how to weave it together, how to edit it, how to market it, and how to use it in several different ways, right? Because she is on so many platforms. So on to Kankana. Hi, Kankana, and welcome to my food lens podcast. This is so exciting because you are a food photographer, food videographer, YouTuber, recipe developer, food blogger, a cookbook author. Oh my God. Like, Is there anything that you don't do? Gosh. But you know, whenever we have a guest on the podcast, something that I just absolutely love to bring up right in the beginning is what draws me the most about somebody's work. And for me, they are definitely your videos. Your videos are not just recipe videos. Your videos are stories. They are memories. There's nostalgia in them. The way you compose them, the way you just absolutely bring life an emotion to something that just blows my mind. I think you're so, so incredible at doing that. And I just cannot wait to have this conversation with you all about how do you conceptualize? How do you create it? How do you build it? How do you come up with all of this? You make the simplest foods look tempting, delicious. I want to make bottle gourd. I want to make bitter gourd and I hate them. So that's the power of your food videos. And I think... We have so much to learn from you today. I just can't wait to get started. But before we do, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Please tell us your name, your business, your location.
0: Hey guys, this is Kankana and I am from California, Bay Area to be specific. I was born and brought up in India. Then I moved to US about 11 years back once I got married. I am a Freelancer right now, what started as a hobby is now a job. It's been for six months. So I work with different food brands, sometimes creating recipes for them, sometimes just photographing their product or their dish, sometimes joining their campaign. So basically, I call myself a digital creator. Now it's a new term, I believe. So I work with different food brands, just creating work for them, working with the different projects and stuff and sometimes I also do lifestyle photo shoot and product photo shoot which is rare but uh, when somebody requests I take it up so that's like a tiny bit of my job profession so yeah that's about me I'm a mom uh, and some of you might have seen my kid he appears a lot he used to cook a lot in my show oh really he wow. for a bite shop. yeah. <laughs> he just, can I take a bite I'm like okay take a bite <laughs>
1: That's yeah. amazing. You do all this client work and then you do a million other projects for your personal work. So that's just incredible. You do food photography, you also do videography. And today we're going to talk all about videography. So tell us a little bit about your transition to photography and then the beginning into food videography.
0: Sure. So it all started, like I said, 11 years ago, maybe when I moved to US. So obviously my visa at that time didn't allow me to work. And for two months, I enjoyed just resting because my work prior to that was very hectic. I travel a lot. So I didn't mind like doing absolutely nothing and watching TV the whole time. (laughs) But then I'm not the kind of person who can just sit. I need project in my life. So it started to bother me. Somehow a friend uh, one day had a conversation and then she's like, start a blog. And I'm like, what's a blog? I don't know what's a blog. (laughs) Just yeah. share your recipes there. So I'm like, okay. And I was not much into cooking back then, just basic. So I used to bake cakes quite often because my mom always baked homemade cake, not the one with frosting and decoration, yeah. nothing, just the simple ones. And that's how I started the blog. And then it started very basic. I, I used to just take photo with my phone. And then I realized, I think in a month time, I, I realized it's a huge pool of bloggers there and they do such amazing work. And so that was very inspiring. And then I realized that, okay, I need to get into photography if I want my blog to be noticed. And that's when I invested in a small camera. It was a DSLR camera that I invested on. And I started reading about it. I started looking at YouTube channels, how to take photos. And then I read that boring manual to understand the camera.
1: <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, so then that's how basically the photography started. And if I go back and look at my photos, it has gone through a lot of changes. Uh, slowly, slowly, you just figure it out, you know, yeah. your style. And evolve. Yeah, so it, it's a long, slow process and journey. And uh, the videography actually started about four years back. So when oh, I wow. hmm. decided to just start my YouTube channel, it was not something that I really planned well, honestly speaking. I didn't really study about what YouTubers should be doing, the SEO. I didn't do all that. I just figured, okay, uh, let me start a video. So that's how the YouTube channel started. And that's how I started doing videos. And I really knew nothing about it. But then, you know, even if you go back and look at my videos, It's changed. It used to be. Some of the recipes look really bad. I mean, it's like, I wish you know, in blog, you can go and change the photos. You don't have that option. They don't. You have to just upload a new video altogether. So that's how I got into videography. And then it obviously became more and more important in the last two years when Instagram decided to turn it into a Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You, yeah, you,
1: you just envisioned this you had this prophecy <laughs> this is coming so you just jumped on the wagon didn't you
0: <laughs> I had read about this long bag by a particular blogger who's very popular she had mentioned that video is the future and I didn't li- nobody really paid attention to that I think it was all about photography I still enjoy photography a lot I'm not going to deny that but then I think slowly slowly I'm really enjoying video much more you know as I do it it's it's all about practice the more you do the more you start to enjoy it true true true. so tell us a little bit about like currently
1: what gear are you using for your videos and is it like similar for photos is this something very fancy how do you have mics do you have the special lighting like what's the mystical Gear that you use for your videos, <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us.
0: <laughs> Honestly speaking, if I show my complete behind the scene, people will be like, "Really?" <laughs> I don't have anything uh, very expensive. I, I don't even have a proper studio. I keep switching because of the you know 2020 situation. My husband is still working from home, um, so I, I sometimes shoot in this room, sometime in the kitchen and stuff like that. So when I started. I used to just shoot in natural light. I use my same camera that I use for my photo shoot, which is actually quite old. I need to upgrade. that. One one camera. Are you using one camera? I was, when I started, I started with two camera keeping, look, you know, I can have both the angle. It will be easy. I don't have to move it around. But later I realized until you have the same camera, there's always a color difference and it was bothering me. And I, couldn't fix it in editing. I am not that professional when it comes to editing. I'm still very basic. Maybe it can be done by very professional yep. videographers. Yeah. I was getting extremely bothered with the difference. So now I don't do that. Also, my other camera is Mark II, which does not really autofocus properly as compared to my camera that I use currently, which is a mirrorless Canon camera. But that also is a very old camera, nothing very new. And at least it autofocus, which is very, very important when it comes to videography. Hmm. So, yeah, because you can't move around a lot, you know. So then so I started with two camera, but now I am for the last one year, maybe one and a half year. I use only one camera. I keep moving it around if requires. But yeah, so now, of course, it's been, I think, six months or maybe a little less than that, that I take my videos only in artificial light. So Ah. I invested in a continuous light, which I use for all my videos because I now moved my setting to kitchen because I find it is easier to clean up. Right, Like taking the photo probably takes or taking the video takes less time, but setting it up and cleaning it up is a hassle. So I moved to kitchen and my kitchen doesn't have a lot of good light. So I use an artificial light, which also gives me the privilege that I can do anytime, even if it's dark or, you know, early morning. Yeah. So if you look at my old videos and see the light is very natural and now it's very yeah. a little bit, you know, you can make out it's an artificial light. Yeah. So I use that for my video, but for my photos, I use a strobe. So now I'm kind of converted completely to artificial, artificial light. light. Yeah. It's so convenient. Yeah, It is. And I realize that once you get used to that bright and clear and contrasting effect that artificial light gives, it's tough to go back to just natural. I still do natural if I'm doing outdoor shoot, I started vlogging. So those are still natural. But yeah, typically my food is photographed in continuous light with the same camera that I use for my photo shoot. And I know
1: that a lot of folks feel
0: that, oh,
1: artificial light is a little bit tough and how do you control it? But once you really understand it, like you said, it's very hard to go back because you have control over your white balance. You have control over your ISO. You have control over
0: so many factors and suddenly
1: it's addictive,
0: (laughs) right? (laughs) It is. is. I move, like I did a video and then I'm like, okay, it's beautiful light. Maybe I can just finish the photo shoot of the dish in the natural light. And then I take one foot, I'm like, no. So I move the whole thing again and I bring my (laughs) strobe again.
1: (laughs) Oh man, yeah. I love artificial light for sure. Uh, But I have seen this wall in your house, that brick <laughs> wall. Every time I see it, I'm like, wow, how Hi. lucky is she to have that beautiful wall in a house? So is that one wall? Is that your whole house? Like you use yeah, it as a no, backdrop.
0: So that, it's just a wall. Can you see? That's the, Okay, I see yeah. it now. Fabulous. So this, we we are in a rented place. So when we moved into this house, it just before COVID, we love the backyard. It has a lot of space, and this wall was the first thing that came to my attention. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like a perfect wall." <laughs> yeah, but off late, I don't use that much because yeah. my husband moved his work in this room, and then there's a clash. So off late, yeah. I don't use that wall as much as I used to. But so many people mentioned about this wall, and it's still my favorite. Like I it just, is, yeah.
1: it is, it is. I would have never given this room to my husband if it was my <laughs> house. But I think the point here is that we don't always need to have such expensive one gear or we don't always need to have expensive backdrops. We might just have a very pretty wall. We might just have an attractive color on a wall or just a plain wall that can be a backdrop. And so we don't need anything extremely, you know, high fi to get started in videos. So because we're talking about this wall, let's talk a little bit about conceptualizing because whenever I see this wall in your videos it brings memories nostalgia I used to live in a house which had this wall and bricks in general have this you know kind of feel to them that material right that texture so tell me when you start thinking about a food video where do you begin how do you conceptualize do you create storyboards do you do mood boards what's your process
0: so uh there are two different way I look at it. Okay. So if you know, I do two kinds of videos. One is of course real, which is short and done in 30 seconds. Then I also, my, but my YouTube videos are longer videos, right? So when I'm doing real, I try to think, so for example, if I think of a dish, I don't write it down, but I kind of think that what are the things that are important in this particular recipe that I want to focus, that I want to show and what angle I want to show it to. Like, do I want to go macro? Do I want to? So for example, recently I did a garam masala reed. Mm-hmm. I knew that a garam masala is a simple thing. It's like multiple spices. It took, you know, you just put together and roast it. So right. my idea was that I'm going to show that nutmeg a little closer because it has nice texture. I want ah. to show a flipping of the this thing. So these three few things. I And then I knew that once I grind the masala and I open the can that. You know, the smoke comes out. I definitely want to capture that. So sometimes in order to do that, I, I might overgrind it because I want to, you know, just definitely capture that. But I just keep these few things in my mind that I am definitely going to focus on when I'm doing the video. So as those time comes, I make sure that everything is an angle, what angle I want. And I don't like to just keep in one angle. So I move around my tripod a lot. Based on if I want to show uh, over the top or 45 degree. Then again, depends, uh, depending on the dish. So for example, if it is a curry that I'm photographing an Indian dish, then I like to show some chopping and I want to show the chopping sound. So I plan that, okay, have I, again, I just think that is there too much of chopping happening? Then people might get bored of seeing a too right. much chopping, right? Mm-hmm. Then I try to cut it down to like, okay, quick, 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 quick chopping or maybe just few chopping and few just dropping, you know, like, to mix it up and it doesn't get too monotonous then comes the part of the curry making for example then I have to think about okay am I going to show sauteing or am I going to show pouring the water so I just kind of plan it out a little bit but I don't write it down literally like okay this is my board that I'm going to definitely show because I'm always in a rush honestly speaking (laughs) I'm like like this okay okay, I start my video at 10 o'clock People are going to eat lunch at 12 o'clock. I have this two hours to finish my video. At times it goes till 12 or 30 and then done. So, wow. <laughs> mm. oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. And 90% of the time I try to pick a video if I know that I don't have to take a photo. I have realized that because I don't like, again, nowadays I spend less time in photography, but I still want my photos to look nice. So I just can't have a, you know, just... A plain simple photo and I, I want it to be a, a bit nicely styled you know so sometimes it gets too much if the dish is really long if it's taking time to prepare and then I have to take a photo I feel that I'm exhausted yes the so I try to pick a dish from my blog which is already photographed and now I can add a new video to it wow so yeah. sometimes yeah. I think that way sometimes if I know that okay this is a dish that can be eaten for dinner and I'm just preparing it now. So then I prepared it during lunchtime because it's a leftover for lunch. <laughs> and then yes, I yes. prepare it and then I eat lunch, take a break. And then I, you know, photograph it again. So that is how I plan. But then again, like about the backdrop. So I kind of, if it is Indian dishes that I'm preparing, I try to keep some spices here and there, some onion, garlic and stuff. If it is a... Uh, cake or a dessert like a, you know these kind of dishes then I try to if I don't have anything interesting to keep then I try to keep a plant or some kind of to create a depth I keep uh, right. you know a green, uh, yeah some green home plant maybe some of an artificial plant so that's how I plan it I, I don't know if I answered your question but <laughs> that's pretty much how I go so basically you've been doing it for a while so you can kind
1: of visualize it in your mind now it's just like second nature to you because you've been doing it for so long. You know exactly yeah. what's going to look good and how you can sequence it.
0: But maybe when you started, it was a little bit different. Yeah, definitely. And there were days when I would finish the video and then when I sit down to edit and I'm like, oh my God, I missed this clip or I should have done a little bit more close up of this shot. So if you have time in hand, I will definitely, definitely advise to think through the recipe that you're going to videograph and write down least four or five points. Because nowadays if you're talking about real 30 seconds, people have less attention. So okay. you want maybe five important points that will catch people's attention, right? So you can write it down and you can figure out which one you want to do. Show in slow motion if you want to, or if you want to, you know, more close up and stuff like that. But yeah, so, so if you're starting, then it's a good idea to just jot down those points so, you know that you're not missing it out when you're doing a video. And you have to remember that video is like you can edit, right? Right. So, yeah. So, sometimes if you're trying to practice how to drop spices yeah. and you want to just show the sprinkling uh, show your pan. Oh, yeah. Okay. And not the pan, you can just sprinkle it multiple times on an empty pan. Doesn't matter, right? It's just going back to you. You're not oh, wasting.
1: wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Oh, I love these tips. I just love that pick five things, write them down. So you're very focused because time is limited. And then also you don't always have to show the exact thing because it's not being captured by camera. But tell me one thing, uh, Kankana, do you have two different lenses, like one showing the macro and one showing the bigger scene? Do you position them like that? Like we talked about sprinkling, but then we also talked about shopping. We talked about, you know, so details versus the overall story. Tell us a little bit about your lenses.
0: Yeah, so I have um I have actually four lenses. One of them, the best lens actually suddenly stopped working, so I have to fix that. That is what I used to use, the, 24, the 70 mm. I also have a 100- hundred mm macro which I don't use all the time because when you're doing a video using a macro lens sometimes the focus really goes bad like oh because of the
1: distance yeah it
0: can be a little difficult so if I'm using that macro I know that I'm not doing a lot of movement but I'm just showing something close or I'm just trying to show like Bubbles in the curry. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. Or yep. like you're dropping something in the water. So that time I use the macro, but otherwise I use my another zoom lens that I have, which is a prime lens, but it has an F4. So I know that it'll be nicely focused. No, it doesn't get right. blurred out or anything. So that particular lens is what I use most of the time. Uh, the other lens that I use a lot is a 2405 mm. Hmm. Okay. Canon lens uh, f4 so that lens actually because you know it it can zoom and it can still go quite close up even if not a macro scene yeah that works best for most of my video but sometimes I have time a little bit more time in hand or sometimes if I know the recipe is too simple yeah nothing to show I try to add a little bit of drama right. by changing lens going a bit of to close up all those things so these are the two lenses that I use most of
1: the time. Fantastic. Wow. And that's what I love about your videos as well. I feel like I'm making the recipe. Even though I'm so lazy, I feel like I'm the one who's cooking. I can see the bubbles. I can see this. I can see that. And sometimes I feel inspired. Like when I saw your mutton curry recipe, kosha Mansha, I was like, wow, I need to make this, you know? So there is <laughs> a lot you. of the way you videograph it. I feel like it draws the audience in. And it inspires them to cook it or it makes them drool, which is pretty much the purpose of a food video, right? So you do it so brilliantly. And I think it is the combination of how you rhythm it out, how you bring that movement in your camera or the details that you bring out. I think that's so fabulous. So you mentioned something else. You mentioned that you actually create videos of the food that you eat on the same day or you cook for your family. I have had such... (laughs) Like different conversations with food bloggers who are like churning out content. You know, you're, you're churning out content like incredibly. It's like every day, one recipe, da, 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 da. You're just going. And I've talked to so many other food bloggers and they're like, oh, yeah, we just do like four recipes a day, three recipes a day. We're just like, boom, 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 you know? So they are creating for the camera and they yeah. have dedicated days. So tell me, how do you usually batch your work? How do you pre-plan? How many recipes do you create in a week?
0: Mm, Most of the time, I create at least one recipe every day. So there was a time when I used to even create multiple recipes on weekend, but I don't do that anymore. And I realized that if I just try to push too much, the the result is really shabby. So 90% of the time when I plan my meal for the next week I kind of think of okay these dishes I need to photograph these dishes I have to prepare for a client so I put it in my meal plan so that way I kind of and thankfully my family eats everything and they're very they understand my job and they're okay they have to wait or they have to eat a sandwich because I have to make two desserts that day and I don't have time to cook for lunch Uh, now my mother-in-law is here sometimes she'll help me also and all that But 90% of the time it is like if I'm preparing something for lunch and if it's a dish that is not in my blog or something I want to showcase and I plan it accordingly that I start videographing at 10, it's done by 12.30, then we eat lunch and all that. And then if I still have energy in the evening and I know I'm not taking my son for any class or I'm just sitting at home and not going out anywhere, I might plan a snack or a dessert or maybe another dinner that I'll do videographing and photographing, so that's how I go. But I have never done this. Uh, I know a lot of content creator does where they cook the entire day, like four to five dishes back to back. But here, the thing is that I am the cook, I am the yeah. photographer <laughs> I am the stylist, and I am the cleaner. Yes. So you know, it is exhausting. Every time I tried doing that, I land up just trashing that last video because I absolutely dislike how it looked. So. That's when my husband says, do not do this. Just stick to one or two. And it's okay if you are not able to deliver a content every day. I am not very good at this. If you can see, right? I'm, I'm not very good at being viral and showing up every day. I, I, I try. I fail
1: because okay. I in my have- opinion, you are very consistent <laughs> and very viral. You honestly, <laughs> you show up so consistently on my feed, either as a still photo or a video. So for me as an audience, you are present all the time. And which is why I brought it up. I feel like you always have this content and I am I just marvel at how effortlessly you do it. And I feel like, oh my God, how much is she cooking in a day? (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) and these dishes are not just a salad that's put together. It's not just something that comes together. You're cooking dishes that take hours. Sometimes those curries, those masalas, everything takes a lot of effort. And it sounds like you're making them from scratch, even just yeah. for the video. So that's yeah. a ton of work. Oh gosh. <laughs> so tell me, do you ever cook the day before to shoot it the day after? Does that work?
0: Yeah, sometimes. Uh, if it is a cake or cookies or snacks that doesn't go bad, that can last longer, then I definitely sometimes prepare it the previous day. Uh, sometimes red meat, uh, I purposely prepare previous day, not because I want to photograph it next day, but because it tastes good the next day. Yes, it does. (laughs) I I purposely do that the previous night and I just keep it in the fridge. And sometimes I make the video when I'm preparing it. And then the next day, I just, you know, kind of recook it a little bit just to bring that freshness and then I photograph it and finish the shoot that way. So very rarely, because uh, especially nowadays with my in-laws here who mostly eats Indian food, we are eating a lot of variety of Indian food and curries, as you know, needs to be photographed then and there or else it doesn't look nice. So it's not happening a lot. But yeah, if it's cake or stuff like that, that I can save, then I definitely try to do that.
1: But you do pre-plan for the week ahead, you know, what clients work you have on hand you know what projects you need to create for yourself. So that kind of pre-planning does happen, right?
0: Definitely. I am that kind of person. I just cannot jump. Like if you just come and knock at my door and say, let's go for a picnic. I'll be like, no, nope, I am not <laughs> I cannot do it. It's not an yeah. agenda. Yeah. So I am very, like my friends know this. I'm extremely organized. And I think my mom gave that to me. It wasn't there for a very long time, but with age, it started coming more and more. And I think that is one thing that helps me to deliver everything on time because I have at least four to five client work on a weekly basis and then plus I don't want to give up my blog or my youtube or anything so you know it's a lot of content creation entirely but then I have to just put it down that what I'm doing today and what I'm doing tomorrow and let my family know this is what we're eating so they're also yeah. okay with it yeah and then that's how <laughs> I keep rolling <laughs> fabulous fabulous so tell us a little bit about your client
1: work like, how do you approach clients, or how do clients find you? And what do you usually pitch for, or what do they approach you for? Is it more for videography or for still photography? So, tell us a little bit about your client work.
0: Sure. So, um, the client work actually started about six years back when we moved to India. My son was just four months and we had to go back, and we went back for two years oh and yeah and then suddenly uh, somebody re- my blog was kind of dormant that I was hardly blogging I was hardly instagramming but then then few brands started reaching out to me I started working and that's how my freelancing work started and around that time when we moved back I had my work permit as well but uh to tell you the truth and I don't want people to think I'm bragging I never actually pitched anybody I am bad I'm somehow work kept coming and I feel very very lucky and very very blessed and I also somehow in the last few years I didn't have a situation where I'm without work so I, I didn't pitch anybody I'm sorry I'm blabbering here okay but I'm just trying to be very honest and <laughs> most of the time the client who approached me they actually referred to my Instagram profile they said ah. that that is how they reached, which is why I try to be very active so that they know that, yes, I'm still working and I still do Um uh, my, my freelancing work actually started picking up in 2019. It, it started becoming more and more okay. and I had repeat clients and I think they have the database because I feel that if one PR contact me, then another one, I, I don't know. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how most of the work keeps coming to me. And then if I work with somebody, they like my work, then they come back again the next year again. So that way it's just happening for the last three, four years. I have a media kit. Uh, sometimes I haven't really done the proper pitching to a brand uh, for any work purpose um, because I have my own personal work and the work that comes in keeps me busy. I never yeah. felt that much need yeah but that's something I need to learn definitely (laughs) well I just have to say that you might not have
1: pitched but the quality of your work is what attracted those clients and you have again consistently created quality work that they keep coming back so what we create is so important it's not just about churning out quantity but you've done such incredible work that clients are automatically they're like oh she's the person let's go to her let's get this job done by her so obviously it comes down to the quality of work that we produce which we know is mind-blowing so uh, what do you find like what is the trend that you're seeing are there more is there more demand yeah. for photos or is there more demand for
0: videos no photo demands have really come down in the last uh, one year Earlier, I used to only create photos or create recipe with two photos for their website or photos for their brochure. Now, I think um, in the last six, seven months, maybe more, I haven't done a single work for photos. It's all video. Yeah, Mm. it's all video. They want either real that I have to share in my profile or they want in their profile, but I have to create for them. So it's been constantly videos. Only recently I have I'll be working with a brand of creating photos but that's like very very rare so everybody's moving towards uh, videos nowadays
1: Wow and it's also we, because actually, you do them so well that's what they probably know you for right so no yeah. one would ever come asking me for a video because heck no <laughs> I'm, I'm you're good no no don't say I don't, that no. I don't do videos so it's also what you're putting out and yeah. so I always relate to your videos So probably that's what clients are also seeing. It's also the kind of work. So it comes down to create the work that you want to be hired for. So clearly, you know, that's happening for you. So should we talk a little bit about pricing? Does that sound okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just whenever people are getting into either photography or a creative field, I think the pricing rates, all this just just boggles their mind. So just tell us a little bit about how you navigated through it. Like, how did you price your service or your work, even though you did not have any business background? Or, you know, how did you navigate through that in the beginning?
0: So um, actually, when I started in India, like I said, that's when I started, right, when we moved back, I did approach a few bloggers in India asking to understand the pricing. Um, Not everybody is comfortable yeah. sharing details. Some of them yeah. did. And based on that, I just started giving my quotes. Right. And then I realized slowly, slowly as I talked to others, then I saw a few articles where they say that it is very sad situation. But apparently, most of the time, clients will see how many followers you have. Right. What is your blog impression? how many visitors you have, which makes sense in a way. So based on that, you need to be a little bold and start pricing. So I'm very bad when it comes to all this money talk. And I used to always think that, okay, am I charging too much? Too much. Oh my God. (laughs) That's not fair. And then I have two very, very amazing friends who are like, they kept telling me that Kangana, I think you're charging less. One of them actually worked with social influencers. Uh, because she was in a company where she was under that particular department where she had to hire social influencers for her brand. When she heard my quotes, uh, then she said, no, you're charging way less and you are delivering way better. So it's okay. So now what I do is that I have a standard code, of course, but then I sometimes, honestly, what I do is I see who the client is. If they are a big brand, Definitely, they have budget, so I do, don't try to shy down. Okay, I, I, I may go on a bit more, and then there might be some negotiation happening here and there to come down. Right. But if it's a small brand, and I know that I love their product, and I definitely want to work with them, then I don't mind cutting down my price. And there are times I have even not really charged them a lot, but then I really want to support them because they're such yeah. good, you know, people and such amazing brand. So I have done those things also, but. But I would say if you're starting up, depending, I have helped a few of the Instagrammers that had reached out to me saying, I'm doing it for the first time. Can you please help me? So I will always say that you have to figure out how many hours are you spending doing that work? Is it just photographing a bottle of juice or is it making a juice and then styling the juice and then photographing it? Or are you taking videos? So it's all about that. And also, what ingredients are you buying? Are you buying simple orange or are you buying passion fruit? So right. you have to keep all that in mind and then give a quote. but whenever you're quoting, you should not like I did that now I say to everybody, don't ever think you're not good enough. If they reached out to you, that means you're good enough there so go. just be proud of your work and what are you losing? you're not losing anything much anyway, right so they reached out to you unless you're really really serious about you have to work with them it's very very important for you then it's up to you how much you want to cut down on your price but I think you have to just start and there are a lot of articles I would recommend people to read it so they get an idea of the number the exact number how much to charge and videos obviously are more as compared to photos like I charge at least 50% more than what Mm. I charge yeah and that makes sense absolutely But again, it depends on how long the videos are. So if I'm making a video, I do some sponsored videos for my YouTube channel where the videos need to be longer, which means I have to spend more time, right? In creating that video. And editing. Right. So, I charge more. But if it's a video for the reel, which is 30 seconds, which means it can be done in a shorter period of time. And it's a small recipe or a small video yeah. then I charge less. Right. So now, of course, there is a standard price, I think, in the market because that is what I've been using. And maybe... I little bit lump sum here and the negotiation happens but more or less that pricing is yeah it, it's working for me maybe I'm charging this I don't know but it's working for me
1: I think a big thing about being a creative and artist and then providing you know you put your heart and soul into creating something and then when you deliver it you feel like ah oh, you know I just feel like I didn't get the word or you yeah. know you don't feel valued And even though money is never a measure of value, but at the same time, you want to feel like you did your job well and then you were appreciated in that. So you definitely don't want to underprice yourself for sure. And secondly, I just absolutely love your first. I just love the way that you navigated your way through this. I think that is the way to do it. And that is to be uninhibited and reach out what's the worst that can happen somebody might say no I'm not comfortable sharing but what if somebody does right so that's how you just started and then you found your own way your own system your own process so I think that is just such such a powerful tip that we just absolutely need to ask
0: just ask it right yeah 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 go ahead and reach out reach out to 10 people and I'm sure at least one of them will respond to you so it's fine we sometimes hesitate I know I used to, but I don't anymore. But of course, I now know who to reach out. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, when you talk to somebody, you just know you can reach out to that person, right? So yes, yes. yeah. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about, like, in terms
1: of the content, amount of content that you know usually clients come to you for. So let's say it's a olive oil brand. I'm just making this up, okay? Let's say it's an olive oil brand. Usually, do they come to you for like a package of okay, can can you do five recipe videos for us? Or usually is it like we need one recipe video and some product shots. So typically what is the pattern that you see? Both I would
0: say because I have worked even in last year, I worked with a brand and I'm working again with them this year where they will straight away come up with saying we need five videos, for example. So it's a salt brand, for example, olive oil, like you're saying, they'll have variety in that, right? So they Ah. want one recipe for each variety, right? So, and then, they might not want me to share it back to back, like, uh, you know, spread it out in a month time. And most of the time it will be paired with a story. By story, I mean three frame stories. So it has to be uh, maybe a boomerang and a photo and something that you're talking. Like my clients know that I don't talk in right. the video a lot. So they don't ask me to do that, but they're okay if I'm doing it at the same time. So depending on that. So there are clients where I've worked multiple videos then there are times where they'll be like, okay, I want you to do one reel and one feed, but back to back. Because Mm. sometimes they feel that that back to back gets more attention than giving a long gap. I think it's a lot to do with how or what the client feels. But if it is a new brand, if it's a small brand, they often do with just one video. But a big brand, uh, so far I've worked with uh, like whatever big brands I've worked with, they always want like, Four videos or three videos. Hmm. Like currently, I'm working with a plan, and I'll be working with them throughout the year. Wow! So yeah, yeah, so that also happens. Like where they sign you up for an entire year, then there'll be some time they'll just come to you during every festive season. You know, like right. Diwali, the Holy, and then Eid. So they just want content for that time. So they know they'll reach out to you. They know your pricing. They're just going to reach out to you and discuss a little bit more and just keep rolling like that.
1: Fantastic. So tell me, how does it work in terms of license? Because as photographers, we are quite particular about what kind of license we are providing, especially to the big brands. So if if I'm shooting for McDonald's, then I'm very clear of what my licensing fee is going to be. But like if I'm shooting for a boutique brand, then my licensing fee is very different, sometimes inbuilt. But how do videos work? Because video can be like on TV. The reach of a video is much more and it can, yeah. it can be everywhere. So is your license different in terms of fee or your terms and conditions a bit different of usage for videos versus photos?
0: Yes and no. As in, honestly speaking, uh, so far, it's only one client where I made a video for them. I like, gave it to them. Uh, so they kind of bought the license for that particular video. But most of the videos, otherwise, it's like that. Like you share it in your Instagram and you just tag them and they are supposed to give credit to you if they're using your videos. So I haven't had any very detailed thought on how this licensing was. It's a very important point. Thank you. And I really need to think through this. But then uh, I haven't done a work where I just made videos for them. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not sharing in my... (laughs) Understood. because all the work has been like this, like you shared in your social media and then you can just tag me kind of. It's like bringing awareness of their product. Right. More than just...
1: Understood. Okay, it. yeah. I guess that is the difference between photos and videos because for photos, you might be shooting for their website. You might be yeah. shooting for a media yeah. coverage that they have yeah. or for the newspaper or a magazine article. For sure. I think I definitely see the difference here. Uh, so let's talk about something you mentioned earlier that you it's not your favorite thing editing (laughs) so Uh. i know editing is like some people love it and some people just hate it (laughs) i for one i honestly am intimidated by videos because of the editing process i feel like do i have the time to sit and edit it's very intimidating and overwhelming for me I open the sometimes and I close them off because I'm like, I just can't do this. The learning curve is somewhere else. So tell us how you edit, what application do you use? Do you use it on your laptop? Do you use it on your phone? Walk us through that a little bit.
0: Sure. So I use Final Cut Pro for my video editing and it's obviously in my laptop uh, as in, in my screen, not in my phone. And yes, editing... It's so different when it comes to video and photo, okay? And I am not even learned like 50%, I think, okay? There's so much to know about editing videos. Um, I know nothing. Uh, photos, I feel it's so easy. Like, okay, one corner is a little too exposed. I can use a brush. And, yeah. and I know the same thing can be done in videos too, but I am yet to learn that process. And I, whenever I try it, it looks weird. It looks like, okay, this is not natural so I don't even try that anymore but what happened in the process of video editing in the last two years is that I learned how to create preset in video editing like how we do for right, right. the same way we can create our presets. so one question I often get asked by my readers like people who see my videos that how all your videos look so similar it's because I use the exact same preset And because I use artificial light, my lighting is also exactly the same. The setting is same. So now I have learned how to use S-curve and everything in video editing. And uh, so now actually, to be honest, it's not all that difficult to edit. So now what I do is I just bring the clip, I trim it out. I know what I want, what I don't want. Then I just stitch all the clips together. And then I use my preset that I have. Sometimes it so happens that in one particular clip, it looks a little too orangish because of something in the background, maybe, or I used Paneer and it looks a little too exposed. Then right. on those clips, I try to tweak it and bring down the exposure a little bit, but in Final Cut Pro, which is very advanced, which is like Adobe Premiere, I think. So it's a very similar concept yep. and it actually allows you to edit in a very professional manner. I do not know that level. But I have learned slowly, 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 slowly a lot how to bring that moody vibe in your video and how to bring down the contrast. And um, so now I have a preset. So now actually doesn't take a lot of time there. I can actually take a video in the morning and publish it by five o'clock in the evening because I have that. wow Wow. oh my god I don't even do that for still photos wow that's incredible no it's actually just (laughs) if it's a reel if it's a reel I can't do for the long videos but if it's a reel yeah I can if I have time I have to just sit down and do you edit your reel uh, videos
1: also on the laptop or yeah
0: oh wow okay because I take my reel also with my camera uh, uh not the ones that I eat out. I started sharing those uh, restaurant ones. Those are with my just phone. But for phone, there is an app called CapCut. I sometimes use that. It's a free app. It has a lot of filter and a lot of editing uh, option. I sometimes use that. Sometimes what I do is I just transfer the same videos from my phone to my laptop and I use the same preset in Final Cut Pro. Ah, so, okay, uh, yeah, so the same because i want to maintain that look so i i I just edit the whole thing in final cut pro i I kind of find it very convenient and easy but it's actually a few steps here and there but again like it's through practice if you go and see my old videos they look terrible okay (laughs) even though i was using final cut pro even though i was using the same camera and i was using everything was same nothing changed what changed is just more learning and so i I, whenever i get time i honestly just sit down and i youtube how to edit videos? How to make it, you know, look more focused, cinematic? You know, all those stuffs. So I keep yeah. reading, like, and then slowly, slowly, I keep practicing whenever I have time. So now, honestly, it doesn't feel very difficult. What feels more difficult nowadays for me is writing thousand word blog post <laughs> I, I have five posts lying down video ready photo ready but to write I just yeah. make food, but I to sit down and write and then really I don't have time <laughs> yeah yeah I
1: know and I feel like that trend has also changed a little bit in food blogging where people used to
0: love reading the stories and now people are oh, yeah. like just
1: give me the recipe man
0: yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's the same thing you're just repeating but you still have to maintain the SEO so you have to still write at least 500 words, right?
1: So it's still a lot of writing. Oh gosh, I don't know how you do it all. (laughs) I just don't know. So I know that you have a YouTube channel, you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have a blog. At one point you wrote a book. How do you manage all that work? Does it come down to how efficiently you plan it out? Like how do you create all
0: of this content? I would say planning, definitely planning. So I know that in a week, I definitely want to post one video in my YouTube, which is a long video. I want to post one, at least a two a blog post. I try. If not two, at least one I try for my blog. And sometimes it could be a travel post, which I started doing again recently, or a recipe. So I know that every week I have to figure out time in that seven days to find two recipe that I have to, one has to be a video and one has to be at least photo that goes in the vlog. So once I have that ready, the rest are just buffer, you know, like, okay, I can make a quick reel and just put it up in my, because reel is important and I have to stay active in my Instagram as well. Planning is everything. For me, I'm really thankful to my mom to have that in me that I, I like to plan, I like to organize. I know what I'm cooking tomorrow and I shop accordingly. I'm like, okay, I have to prepare a spring pasta so if I'm preparing tomorrow I'm going to go get the vegetables fresh on Sunday or Monday morning and that evening we are eating that and my family supports a lot they are really sweet like they don't mind if I am just constantly cooking the same dish again and again because I don't like it yeah
1: Um,
0: my husband understands this whole thing that I do and he also helps me sometimes and I'm some days I'm crazy some days I get very tired and nothing works because creativity is you know you need to know yeah Yeah, I shut down some days I completely shut down I don't do anything and then the next day I feel much better so I also push myself I don't think I ever sit down with a cup of tea or something like I'm constantly working and I like that and then I sit down only at Night, nine o'clock, that's my TV time, no matter what. Yeah. Wine time. <laughs> wine and TV. Yeah, that's there you my, go. That's like my husband also. We both have the same choice. So son goes to bed and we are like wine and TV. That's my time. Don't tell me wow. anything to do. Be- <laughs> no, but you deserve it because
1: a lot of folks don't understand that as physically exhausting as it is, you have to manage the light. You have to assemble the gear you have to move your camera you have to do the cooking it is physically exhausting but also your brain gets jammed you're just like after a while it's like block you know it's like there's a stone that's sitting on your head it literally feels like that and you just need to release you just need to like close Close you know
0: (laughs) right so and that's i shared a story about how i had to edit like so many videos and then when i sat down i realized one particular video i created the project But I didn't import my videos and I formatted my memory card. Oh, no.
1: It's all gone. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. That's time for wine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was so mad. I was like, oh, and it happens because I was the last few weeks I've been really acting. So it's a learning. Now I know for the next one, two months, I'm not going to make this mistake of keeping things in my memory card because as soon as the video is done, I just import it.
1: Oh, man. it has to be away. Uh, that's like a nightmare. But tell us for a lot of folks like videography, myself included, like videography is very intimidating, very overwhelming. If I ever move to a, in that direction, it will take a lot of strength, stamina and willpower and a lot of reshuffling of my current activities to kind of you know segue into videography because it's a whole different ball game, but you are already there so what is your next step or what is it that you are looking as you move forward in your like creative journey what's next for you
0: um first of all let me tell you it is really not that tough in fact once you get the hang of it you will realize it is much more easier than photography I am not really <laughs> okay okay not kidding, okay wow. because there's less amount of styling involved a uh, more moving around involved yes okay like you have to move if you walk if you are like me who wants a different angle you move the tripod right. you want to have some space around but it's really not that tough once you get the hang of it and I know I said that I think two weeks back that I'm starting the course of videography where oh people can learn wow from yes yes and I'm it's already I just need to publish it so I'm hoping by tomorrow or the after I'm definitely going to publish it people will say how can you keep saying and you don't publish it oh my god wow yeah i'll start i just i wanted to have a understanding of how to go about and have the course ready so it is ready and i i keep getting this request a lot to teach how to make videos and my video making is really low budget like i said i don't have any fancy gear trust me my prop collection is so small people might think is this your prop collection or is this your regular place because (laughs) That's how I have always been because I moved so much. And nowadays I I all the more feel that, is it really required? People always look at the food. Is it really required to have a room full of prop? I don't need it. I'm fine with it. So I'm very minimal. And I want to teach that to people that you don't need an entire room to make a video. You can. My kitchen is super tiny. And I create video in a tiny corner and you can do it too. So it's not difficult. Okay. Wow. It, all it needs is that passion. You need to have that passion. You need to feel that I can do it and you have to push yourself. That's right. All. I'm definitely looking forward to start that course and teach people what I have learned so far and also learn together because, you know, I'll get questions. that I'll probably not be able to answer and that'll help me to go back and study more yeah to answer that person right so it helped yeah. me as well so fantastic definitely- gosh yeah. I did not know this oh wow <laughs> this
1: podcast episode is so timely oh gosh so you have to send us the link we will link yeah. it in the show notes people must know about this course because honestly you do make videography look effortless and I know that it's the exact opposite of that but just you simplify the process, you don't overcomplicate. And I think that takes away the overwhelm for a lot of folks. I I know that I'm speaking for myself right now, you know, that would definitely encourage me to step in. So fantastic. Congratulations. We didn't know this. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. So I have one last question for you. And we might have touched upon that a little bit through the episode. And you might have just said a lot of it right now as well. But really, like if you had to give one advice to photographers, who want to venture into videos, what would be your
0: like top advice, your
1: number one advice to them?
0: I will do the same thing that I did when I started photography. So when I started photography, I I never felt I was good enough or I needed to do better. I don't know if you are aware of it. There was this project 365 where you take one photo every single day and you edit it and you share it. You don't save it, you share it. So we didn't have Instagram, we had Flickr. And I used to share the photo in Flickr because when you share it, you have to make sure it is good enough, right? Right. So you get that push. So I used to photograph every single day something, even if it's a glass of water. The same thing I did when I decided, when I felt that, okay, I have to make more videos every day because that is what Instagram wants. I started making videos every day. So I so let's say you don't have to think about videographing an entire recipe. All right. So if you're doing it for the first time, just keep a glass of water and pour water and make a short video four seconds. How does that look? Edit it. Does it look nice? Amazing. Let's move to seven seconds now. How about, you know, plating the dish and then you can slowly, slowly move ahead. And if you're doing it for the first time, don't pick a very complicated recipe to videograph because you'll be like so... You'll miss out information. You will be tired. Okay. So many steps. So if you're new and you're starting videography for the first time, pick one or two subjects and videograph it. Make short videos every day. Sometimes maybe you just go out, you're walking, and you saw a flower or something. Spring. It's a beautiful time, right? So just videograph that a little bit. Come back and edit it and then share it, if not in Instagram, at least to your friend group or somebody, so that you take some input from them right what, how they're doing it and if you do this for at least a month I can guarantee you you will enjoy videography and you will make it a habit like people say like my, my mom used to always say that if you want something to be a habit you do that every single day right. if you don't do it it's still a new thing you'll not never be used to it so you have to make this a habit so just pick that camera and start doing it. Camera, phone, whatever you're comfortable with, but make a video every single day of a tiny thing and edit it and then share it somewhere. Maybe in your story, if not in your reel, because you don't want to have it saved for a longer period of time. So just share it in your story. But if wow. you do that for one month, I can guarantee you the second month will feel much easier than the first month.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Like. I hope that those who are listening are feeling pretty pumped right now. And whether you're a food photographer or not, like pick up your phone and make a video, man. <laughs> wow. I love it. And I think it's all about building that muscle. It's all about building that habit. And you're so right. It will feel intimidating until you don't do it. A job yes. is tough only until you don't do it. So. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous! Now this was so fun. Oh gosh, this was incredible. I learned so much. You actually made me feel a lot more comfortable about food videos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am sure you can do so, so, so better. Trust me. I mean, like if I can do it, anybody can do it. Uh, Please trust me on this. But I just have to say that you really take away
1: the pressure from it. You really make it easy for everybody to understand, and you have so generously shared. The entire process with us everything from technical to artistic to creative to license to fee you know it's just amazing thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your knowledge sharing so many lessons and for this incredible conversation before you go before you go can you tell us all about your 1000 platforms your youtube your instagram (laughs) your blog and also about the book, and definitely the name of the upcoming course.
0: Uh, definitely Instagram. I have a Facebook page, which uh, of late is on and off. So you can oh. find me everywhere at Playful Cooking in Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. What else? LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. just search my name. Yeah. And my cookbook is Taste of Eastern India, where I had, it um, I wrote that a few years back. And it's all about Bengali food. It's my dream book. I always felt there is not enough cookbook in the market, which talks about Bengali cuisine. And people need to know more. So when I got that opportunity, I felt so lucky to write a book that showcases all kind of Bengali cuisine, Bengali recipes. So it's available everywhere in Amazon. Uh, any bookstore and I hope you will give it a try Um, it's a great book easy recipes like all my easy recipes are and your course we need to know
1: the name of the course so we can feel the (laughs) inspiration. yes (laughs) yeah I'm going to
0: just call it learn food videography and there you go it (laughs) (laughs) it is going to have four detailed modules and I'm going to share all that in the blog very soon You can register and I want to make it one-to-one. It's going to be an online course, one-to-one. And um, before the course starts, of course, based on where you are, I'm not going to make it like you have to attend all the four modules. Based on where you are, you can pick one or two modules or you can pick all. You know, I want to give that flexibility. It should be out hopefully by end of this week. And I, I hope I can teach people what I've learned so far and they'll find it interesting. Food videography is interesting. Trust me, uh, once you get the hang of it, you will videograph every day. You you must have seen my today's read, strawberry, (laughs) nothing. It was like a nine second video, but I love to capture everything nowadays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous, fabulous. And I'm sure that it'll be an incredible course. And also it's not without reason. I say that, how do you do so much? You do everything. Is there anything you don't do? So this is yet another example. But thank you so much for making the time, Kankana. It was an absolute delight, and absolute pleasure having you on our podcast and this phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was amazing talking to you. Really, really. And thank you for inspiring me too. I just love your work. You know that. So that
1: was Kankana. And wasn't that just a phenomenal conversation? Wow, I was just sitting here and I'm just like nodding my head. I'm just listening to everything. I'm like taking notes. She just simplifies this whole, you know, intimidating process of videography. Like, I just love how she openly shared all the lenses she has, how she used a certain camera before and now it's different and how lighting has changed her entire process, how she breaks down the recipes what is macro, what is a story, how to bring a little bit more depth to the frame. Wow, wow, wow. That was powerful. That was informative. And that was just a one heck of a wonderful chat. So I hope that inspires you to create more videos. I hope that inspires you to get into videos. And I hope that answers any questions that you had about videography. She's obviously coming up with a course and boy, would that be one egg of a course to check out. So do take a look at it. And if you are into videos, if you are venturing into that, if you have any questions, please send them to Kankana, send them to me. And we will be happy to answer those questions because yes, whenever we are learning a new skill, whenever we are moving forward in our creative journeys, it can be a bit overwhelming and intimidating. I know that she's left me with a lot of inspiration and I hope You feel so too. All right. With that, I will see you next week with another episode. Until then, bye-bye.